Hello and welcome to ITU Playcast. I'm Dom Ford, a PhD student at the Centre for Computer Games Research here at the IT University of Copenhagen. And I'm uh, Pavel Grabarczyk. I'm an associate professor at the digital design here at the ITU uh, University of Copenhagen, Copenhagen as well. Cool. Um, so we're back at it again after Christmas, and as yeah. we all, all know, uh, nothing of interest has happened zero, in the games zero, industry zero over the last business. few weeks. It's been very tedious. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, alluding it, to a, to a big things that happened. Yes, that, that actually, I would say the, the biggest that could have happened. I was thinking, like, what what is the bigger thing when it comes to industry, not to games mm. or, or I don't know artistic aspects of games, but just the business aspects of games and institution aspects of games, which is probably more interesting for the scholars. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then the Microsoft's buyout of, of Activision, then Sony's answer very few days ago when they say uh, bought Bungie. But I guess the Microsoft buying Activision is a big thing. Like I was yeah. thinking, like what could it be bigger than that? Like <laughs> they would have to buy Sony on or on Nintendo, oh, yeah, or yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Nintendo acquires Sony. That's the next yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know about you, but I, but I mean, one reason for for me at least to be uh, kind of touched by this. I mean, this is a big operation, the big business operation that maybe for academics doesn't mean anything. But for me personally, it is a very symbolic change because mm-hmm. from a historical point of view, I mean, we have to remember that Activision was actually the first ever gaming company mm-hmm. that was not owned by the console producer. That was the third party company. So it's, the, true, yeah. so it's kind of symbolic that this first third party uh, creator is now purchased by console uh, owner. So it's, uh, mm. yeah, I would say it's just a very interesting symbolic thing that 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 simply points out at, at, a, at a bigger trend that we are looking at. Mm. I think that this is the news, that we, ha- we, we, we can see some kind of a huge consolidation on the AAA side, so-called AAA side yeah. of market. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, like, I, I don't know much about this. Most of what I would say would be uh, just kind of parroting what I heard in, in the recent Tech Won't Save Us podcast episode. Um, but yeah, it, it strikes me as, um, yeah, this kind of period of consolidation, which in many ways feels like not a great thing to be happening. Um, but then in other ways, um, at least as far as I've kind of read, the last period of consolidation then led to this huge wave of indies after it and we got a lot of really great games uh, during that period so i get i mean i get you know i kind of take the view that this is just it's just business doing its kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. it's but, but to also, me it's not I think yeah that what is happening on this uh, again we are using these very popular terms aaa indie. Yeah. i don't think that this division is very clear at this point but no. i would say that what we typically refer to as aaa market I think it started to change so much that this consolidation is just a natural result of it. I mean, what I was when I when I look at the number of AA games that were coming out lately, it's like there are fewer and fewer games like that. They mm. they start to be much more difficult, uh, much less sustainable market. Yeah. People go into this maybe live service side. They're not. They're, some of these companies are just like try to do both. Activision is the best example. They mm-hmm. try to do Call of Duty, which is like year after year, a standard model. Then at the same time, they are doing the Battle Royale Call of Duty. I forgot what is Warzone. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. when it's just like they try to, to do both. My point is that from our perspective, what is important is that consolidations typically mean that there will be a fewer number of games published. I, I, I yep. don't see it as anything other than that. I think that these consolidations will just shrink the AA market even more mm. to the point where I think that it will be from the, from the let's say, academic or artistic perspective outside, apart from the business perspective, yeah. I think it, I can totally see a moment where it's, it will be irrelevant apart from the business perspective. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's true. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the only thing to kind of hope for is that the consolidation of business doesn't mean the consolidation of games because that's kind of what you've seen in the past where um, you know, big, the, the, the big studios and publishers or like Activision will buy up studios and then they'll become sort of Call of Duty support teams, um, which yeah. is obviously a shame in many ways. I mean, the, the, I guess it's great that these people are getting paid and steady and it's it's good in that sense, but... But creatively, it's probably creatively, less interesting, yeah. right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, let's not let's I mean, not I mean, just just no. to finish. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that in this particular case, in mm. the, in the in the particular case of Activision, yeah. it was actually a good thing for them probably because they were yeah. in a very dark. Place. Well, that's true. Though. Yeah, so, very very cheap as well. Yeah. <laughs> probably at this point, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, Seventy billion dollars isn't cheap, but probably it would have been exactly exactly not for sale in other cases. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably yeah. the difference. But I'm saying is that they were in a in a bad place. Uh, mm-hmm. All these you know reports that we get of a, yeah. uh, of a horrible color company culture and stuff like that and hopefully this change will simply be a good shake-up for them yeah i I think in the yeah in the case of activision i think any change is kind of worth trying (laughs) at this point Uh, it's just so horrible and then yeah yeah so uh, yeah let's not let's not dwell on that because um it's it's well it's certainly not my expertise um (laughs) so but yeah so we have we have a simple format um in which we we talk about one academic paper and one game so we'll stick to that um but a surprise this episode's paper is once again actually a playable essay um like last week's which was on yes yule's uh, video game objects so this one is called doors by stefano guilani and the game and the game that we're looking at is a vr title called i expect you to die too we're skipping straight to the sequel um so let's just dive into the playable essay first um and it is actually in some ways quite similar to last episodes which was on video game objects are they real are they fictional are they virtual what do all these things mean Dawes is asking similar questions, but dives much more deeply into one specific object or kind of object, Dawes. The game itself is quite short. It's about 20 minutes or so, something like that. Um, And it's kind of a a point-and-click mystery adventure game. You arrive. The premise is that you arrive at a hotel tasked with finding out why a particular door has vanished uh, and what that door looked like. So there'll be a link in the description where you you can go and play it in your browser for free. So... Just kind of by way of introduction, I will start by reading a description on the website so that we kind of hear about it first in their own words. Um, so the heading is kind of, so what is this game about? Um, and the answer is, uh, imagine the following situation. You open a door in a video game. One could argue that it is not really you who opened the door, but rather the player character. Another objection to the idea that doors can be opened in game worlds is that one does not actually pursue the action of opening doors, but rather that of inputting certain commands into a controlling device. We could even go as far as saying that no door is involved in that interaction to begin with. One simply clicks on a bunch of pixels that are meant to evoke a door in their imagination. Within game studies and in the philosophy of fiction, the representation of game objects has been subject of much debate, as they can be said to have properties of both fictional entities in that they do not really exist but are are meant to be imagined to exist and of actual digital objects they are objects generated and upheld by computers that one can persistently and intelligibly interact with Uh, so they say doors is our newest attempt at playable philosophy it is designed to invite players to interactively examine existing theories about how objects are represented within games and virtual worlds more in general each door in the game raises a different question regarding their representation so yeah Pavel, what were your kind of uh overall thoughts on this what stuck out to you super interesting i think uh it's also, uh, as you said, it is quite similar to uh, uh, Jesper Yule's uh, um, idea that we explored last week. But the big difference here for me is that uh, whereas uh, Jesper Yule's playable essay was more of a, I would say, um, he tried to invite the reader or the player to explore some questions with him. Mm. without really giving definite answers, maybe at the end a little bit of a classification that we explored. Here, I would say that from the beginning, the authors have a standpoint, a standpoint of the nature of doors in Mm. video games, in that they really call it, these are just digital representations. They are not doors in any normal sense. And I think that in, this is what I found interesting. There's nothing bad in it. I mean, there are papers that are more explorative in nature, and mm-hmm. there are papers that just present a standpoint. And the same, as we can see, go can be said about displayable experiences. And this one, in my opinion, presents a very uh, a particular standpoint, which I personally do not agree with. Mm. So philosophically, I'm on the other side. That's why I will probably mm-hmm. be uh, 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 contesting some of the ideas here. But before I do that, I just want to point out that I think that it was a delightful 
experience uh, mm, from, yeah. from many mm-hmm. uh, uh, points of view. Like the bit, uh, the most surprising one was that it's just a very slick game. Jesper mm. uh, Yule's uh, uh, game was very much uh, rooted in this experimental scene. Yeah, you could see. Oh, yeah, this is something that I could see from a like a game jam thing, like an, again a, 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 a prototype. Yeah, uh, and it was by design. So it's. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying it was shoddy. No, it was <laughs> yeah, by yeah, design. yeah. Whereas here, this is something that I could totally see as being uh, just an adventure game sold on Steam or, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, produced for Nintendo DS or whatever, and Switch. So, so it's very slick and very well produced, not only in terms of graphics or just programming, but also in terms of game design. Definitely someone just knew how to pro- create or design point-and-click games. And uh, I will just leave this at the end, so I just want to point out uh, uh, something that I will that we will get back to they even use a very uh, very important trope of adventure games to deliver their final twist i think mm. yeah that's very true yeah um yeah so i mean i guess kind of how the how it, how it goes is you, yeah you walk through this mystery and you encounter all these different doors and then there's kind of a some descriptive text that will come up about what kind of door it is i totally agree by the way that it's it's yeah very very slick and it just and it kind of works as a game in itself um it kind of uses the the i guess ambiguity or confusion about the concept of a door um kind of as humorous so you know you come across um uh, you, you come across like a, a key card um, that kind of they they say make, means that there's an implied yes. door because you have yeah. a key and but there's no door and yes there are many moments where you try and use it on everything. I tried to use it on absolutely everything, every oh, yeah. object because I got I got stuck. It, and then the game tells you oh, you you need to stop doing this. Yes. Like this, obviously a key card doesn't yes, go in here. Yes. So it, it's got a very it, it uses um, yeah the kind of philosophical ambiguity to create a lot of humor here, which I really like. Um, and I think that also, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, this is something that is not just a, an academic observation mm. that is somehow imposed on games. This is something that I believe was pointed out by gamers many times in that or simply gamers uh, got used to treating doors as very as having different types in games, even though we don't talk about it. really. Mm. So, yeah. you know, you play a game and you, you just accept that let's say a classic example of this would be a Resident Evil kind of game, Silent Hill. I mean, basically a survival horror game, where at some point you just realize, of course, there are doors that are there just to give you a, just a very specific click, yep. and it means they are, can't open it, and that's it. This is the only thing that they do. They just mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. give you a sound. You will never open it. Then there are some that are close, but they give you information. Oh, I need a key card, or I need a key. Yeah. So these yeah. are. In principle, unlockable, but not at the moment unlockable doors. And then there are yeah. doors that you can unlock. And this is this is interesting. I think I found, you didn't mention it, but uh, one thing that is very, very funny in this game is that you kind of collect these types of doors as if they were, I don't know, Pokemon. Yes, or yes that's like very that. true. Yeah, so yeah. just like, oh, this is the type of door, this type of door, imaginary door, implied door, magical door, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So you collect different types of doors. Mm-hmm. But what I found interesting is that this is, a, as I said, it's not really imposed because people do create, in order for you to to learn game mechanics and to recognize some genre uh, uh, tropes, mm. you actually do create, as a player, you do create this kind of game classification, door classifications in your mind. And this is just a more of a professional take on it. Yeah, yeah, that that's very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. What what kind of really interests me about the the key card thing, especially, is it's like then, um, yeah, it, it's the it's the implied nature of it, but it kind of gets to this this that this this thing of like other objects, video game objects as well, or even just representations of video game objects um, can kind of make make you expect to see a diff a completely different object i mean a key is not a door but we see a key and we and we expect a door completely um yeah also on the other point i was kind of thinking of i'm playing through bloodborne at the moment finally and there is a door somewhere that um so there's there's plenty of doors in 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 these from software games, and they're usually they're locked from the first time you go into them because yeah. the point is you go from behind and then you open it up and it's a shortcut. 
Um, and so there's one such door and it says, oh, it just doesn't open. Um, and then I was like getting really annoyed because I couldn't find out where this shortcut was. I kind of knew where it would lead. Um, and then eventually I Googled it and people were like, nah, it was meant to be a shortcut, but they just, they just gave up on it and they didn't, and they didn't include it, but they decided not to remove the trying to open. And so it works like every other door. And so I think that speaks to kind of how we, we set up these conventions. And I think that works both in terms of just any objects in general, we, we we have these, and that goes back to yes, but you where we have these um, expectations and the conventions of what they do, what they're for, and how they're used. So we see a door, we expect it to be closed and to be able to open it, right? That's kind of the probably the basic yes. bit of a door, usually. Um, and then in game design as well, you have this very, and especially as you learn the language of game design, you start to use it and see it more and more where you take every object that you see um as intentional so um or, you know more or less we're to a, to a degree so if if i find um oh yeah how can i put this like yeah it, yeah i i, you, I had you, this experience yeah. many times so i totally understand you, you find I, an object find that has no game, it has to be put Exactly. For a specific reason. Exactly. Right? There's just like a million obviously, Chekhov's obviously, guns obviously. everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I had this experience in this very game. Yeah. Uh, uh, at some point, let me... I don't remember exactly... I think it was in the basement. I'm pretty sure it was in the basement where mm. I was simply walking somewhere and there was another... I mean, basically, the fact that the corridor was longer yes. was yep. meaningful. I yep. was just like, of course, if the corridor mm-hmm. is longer and especially... If it's not trivial, absolutely trivial to get there, there yeah. must be something there, yes. right? Because, yeah. I mean, especially in a game like that, in, adve- in an adventure point-and-click games where they don't really have that many filler rooms. Yes, they yeah, exactly. Have, yeah. Like, every room was meaningful because it was expensive to produce them. They were mm-hmm. you know, hand-painted and very detailed and so on. Yeah. So they typically typically didn't have th- th- this. They could play with a convention, a convention later yeah. and, and, and make a, a room like that, but mostly mm. not. Well, this one did have a completely useless room, I believe. Oh, I yeah. think it just had a… Um, the end it does. It just has a well, essentially an advert to one of Guellini's other but, but other I, games. But I, I love yeah. it because yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know in uh, yeah. uh, Stefano's yeah. uh, past, uh, he he was also uh, a game developer at some point. He mm-hmm. he developed a, a regular uh, point and click adventure game mm-hmm. uh, in the late nineties. Mm. And I I co- I can totally see this moment where you just enter a room that yes. is completely useless and just contains an ad yep. for another game. Yes. <laughs> is a throwback. To the classic LucasArts adventure okay, games, yeah. which always contain this, like the Monkey mm. Islands, the most prototypical ad- point-and-click adventure game, contains a character in the beginning who has like a, this badge: "Ask me about Loom." Mm. And when you ask him about <laughs> Loom, he just tells you about Loom, uh, the best <laughs> video game that is, the, and so on. So, yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's exactly the same. It's obviously for me this is a throwback to LucasArts. Oh yeah, no, that, yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but yeah, and, and and so yeah, I was wondering kind of if there's a because um, I kind of said that that kind of uh, the, the expectations and the conventions that can work for both real objects and game objects, but um, perhaps probably more so for game objects because you have the intentionality or the assumed intentionality yes. where you know in real life it is very plausible that this object is just there. Yes, just because it happens, it happened to have arrived there. But in a, although you know, in a game like that, you might say that. Well, because you know this game does not hide. Yeah. It's a philosophical game yes. from the beginning. It just hit, yeah. hits you with, oh, we're going to explore the philosophical aspect in go- of doors in, uh, in games. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, we're going to you know, pretend that we are an adventure game and yeah. then we will hit you at the end that this was actually a playable philosophical aspect. No, they're just That's like, true. They're That's completely true. Yeah. adamant yeah. about it. And because of that, you kind of change your expectations. At least for me, it was just you like, do. ah. Like I was, it turned me to some kind of an obsessive uh, 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 door seeker, so to speak. <laughs> so I was just like, like a Pokemon oh, catcher exactly, trainer. There's yeah. so many <laughs> doors that I can collect. Like, why some of them are not recognized as doors? So yeah. it's just like there was a moment where I was. Uh, there's basically a, a part of the interface on the upper right corner. You have an icon of a door, and this mm. icon of a door, when you click it. 
it's just basically the door you are supposed to guess. Like, what is how did the door that yeah. that uh, was stolen looked like? Yeah. And this uh, uh, this icon works as a regular icon. And I was just like, why isn't this recognized as yeah, a type of a yeah, door? Yeah. Then there's another moment in a game when you enter the the um, basically the top of the hotel you are at, mm-hmm. and then you can look at the sign. And the hotel is called uh, the, the Doors the, Hotel. I the think? Doors Hotel yep. or the Door something. The, the Door is definitely there. The Doors Inn. The Doors Inn. That's the exactly. One. Yeah. So this is how it's called. And you, when you click at the at the at the neon sign, the mm. big neon sign uh, uh, on the on the top of the building, it just shows you this big neon sign, the Door Hotel. And I was just like, and I was, oh, why doesn't recognize the word Door? As a type of a door, <laughs> in a let's say in a text adventure game, the word "door" would have that been would be, a door. Yeah. So yeah. it should. I was just like, and this kind of obsession, I found very funny. I found that That's true, this yeah. game kind of inspired me to be much more philosophical in my approach than I mm. normally. M and I'm a philosopher, so it's so it's, <laughs> so that's, so it's doing something. That's doing something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, yeah two points: one on the text thing, and then one one also on the um, I guess kind of back to the the the, the key card where it was exactly that. The expectations did change because it was a philosophical game. Yeah, but then my thought was, ah, oh, but they will be aware of that. They're smart enough to be aware of that, so they're going to double bluff me. So I'm actually going to try the key card on every door, and and then I got you know <laughs> I got full. I was, I was going to ask you because uh, uh, you're a native English speaker. So in English, if I if I told you, oh, I'm going to give you a key, and then I just presented you with a key card, would it be okay or not? Or, or would it mm. be weird? So I'm going to give you a key, and then yeah. you hand me a key card. Yeah. Uh, I think that would probably be okay. Is it, yeah, I think that would be okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not at all unusual to say key card. That wouldn't be, like, overly long or anything. Um, I probably wouldn't notice it if you said key. Yeah, that's no. my point. Yeah, it it, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't, uh, you know, surprise you as a very <clears throat> weird categorical mistake. No, they're, they're kind of like, seen as the same so, category, I would, yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just curious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But on the text thing, that's kind of interesting as well because then, 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 then it makes me wonder about what is the nature of... Uh, if they exist what is the nature of game objects in a text adventure yes because we we then recognize by the commands that we have to put in um that certain words have more what would you call it instrumentality power yes keywords you know like 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 if you see the word door you know that you you'll be able to type open door yes whereas you know some other word will come up maybe that some that the person in the room has blonde hair, and you know you probably can't do anything, yes, command wise with the word blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that got me really interested. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, and uh, you know, text adventures could even go absolutely crazy with that. With this representation, mm. they could start to treat kind of like materiality of the words as if they were materiality of objects. I remember mm. there was one. Classic uh, uh, um, Infocom uh, um, adventure game, rather interactive fiction game, mm-hmm. is how they are typically called nowadays. Uh, Enchanter, and it was basically about a mage uh, or a mage apprentice. I don't remember yeah. well, but the point is that you are doing basically what you do in this game is that you are manipulating objects by manipulating words that mm. refer to these objects. So to give you an example. And I don't remember if this example was exactly in the game, but this is the type of things you do. Let's say that you have rain yeah. in the game, and then you, you uh, by, by ways of magic, you destroy something that you have into letters, mm. and you get the, where, the letter D. <laughs> then you add D to rain, and you drain the rain. Uh. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's really so, good. Yeah. And, and it has a many, many. Yeah. Uh, the whole mechanics is about... Me- uh, so what mm-hmm. I'm saying is that th- with interactive fiction, this is th- it's such a such a rich topic that it's not uh, yeah. at all uh, touched uh, in this game. But it could have been, but I mean, you yeah. can't have yeah. everything come out. No, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I brought it up. So I'm just saying that I- I'm fine with that, but, yeah, really, yeah. but it, uh, no, it's... No, yeah, it's, it's not not a criticism of this yeah. game. It's just... It's just uh, it's just, I think, um, which they probably admit at some point that it's like, you know, these kind of categorizations could go on forever. We could probably think of Absolutely. a bunch of different kinds of doors. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was uh, 
what I found fascinating is that I also uh, it also started me thinking about like what is the role of interface and how some mm. inconsistencies of interface can really uh, make it difficult for you to understand the game world. Uh, in this particular game, there was one aspect of the interface that bothered me, mm. and this is. And it bothered me for, for philosophical reasons that this <laughs> game explores. So, so I yeah, think that yeah, it is sure. a fair criticism. Yeah. Namely, that the interface is that, as I said, on the upper right corner, you have a classic icon. This, yeah. is, this just serves as an icon. You click it and you go to another menu yeah. where you manipulate things, right? But then the other things that are on the upper screen are your objects that you collect. And they look exactly... The, in a, they use the same graphical style as this icon. So mm. you collect a key. It's a normal key. But then when you collect it in your inventory, it turns into a wireframe-looking uh, mm. icon. And then the game asks you to move this wireframe icon to the game world, and then you are using a key. And now... This is, again, this is the level of nitpicking that I would never go into <laughs> if this was just a normal game. <clears throat> yep. But I remember I was just confusing. Like, is this interface or is this a key? Mm. Like, like, yep. I, I, like, why is this called a key if it just looks like a part of the interface? I'm, I'm somehow expecting interface to be a kind of a door to, yes. to my pocket or whatever yeah, yeah. and not just the... Uh, the contents of the pockets. So, it's, mm, so mm -hmm. it made me a bit. Conf I was confused with that, mm. uh, uh, and and made me thinking that yeah, some some of the aspects were were really not not really explored here. Like, what is the role of interface here? That's true. Yeah, I think yeah, interface is definitely a big one. There's um, uh, yeah, in terms of like, okay, does is is an object in the interface still an object does it matter whether you can drag it or not directly onto the game world or not or how do kind of menus and, and layers of menus work with that kind of thing um i think that yeah that also kind of gets to the the metaphorical kind of aspect of it where uh, you, you were saying like the the interface can kind of could be construed as a door to your pocket and that yeah. kind of thing and that's I think that's where, um, and this game goes into it a bit, when you get to like the magical uh, door and stuff like that, where, um, yeah, door, as well as being a physical object, is also kind of just a spatial metaphor for like yeah. a, a threshold, which is... Something that enables you transition. And, and this is the moment yeah. where I'm just like, these philosophers have a really uh, strong position on how to treat digital objects like yes. if you are okay mm -hmm. i mean a person who says to me that it's okay to say that a magic door that is basically just like a vortex mm -hmm. with a, like this is how it is represented in the game like a vortex yeah. or like a portal or something like that right mm. and this is door this is a door but mm. it, but a, but the door is not a door if it just because it's digital that yeah. makes that makes me like why I don't get it I just really don't get it like if especially I mean this is uh, this is something that we will explore in the second part of our conversation today especially if you consider virtual reality games mm -hmm. if you have a virtual reality game where I'm grabbing something where I'm grabbing a, a, a knob and I'm turning it and I'm just moving my hand yeah and something gives me even a tactile feedback through the f force feedback. And then it enables me to transition to a new space. Mm. Like why? And it looks like a door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. Like, what? Why? Why isn't it a door? Like, if if I presented you a door at the ATU, yes, and I said to you, "Hey, man, this looks like a door. It just it just lets you to another room." Yeah, but I don't think it's a door. I don't <laughs> like, think it's a door. Like, yeah, uh, you'll be like, yeah. "Why? What, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with that?" And just yeah, like exactly. And, and if I then told you, well, because. The secret nature of it is that it's it's from a different type of matter. Like, would yes. you be like, oh no 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 no? Then then it's not a door. No, you probably wouldn't care. Yeah, yeah. You you're referring to how the the magical door. It says something like, um, it's not a door that we could kind of recreate in real life. First it, of it wouldn't all, work for us. But, but, yeah, but, yeah. I yeah. mean, second of all, I'm just saying that if the threshold of classifying something as a door is so low mm. that magical yes. portals count. <laughs> yeah. Then I think that game that doors in digital worlds are quite 
okay doors. That's, I mean, yeah, they're yeah. simply doors. The fact that they are digital is is a bit of a you know a surprise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but probably not as big. Yeah, and and by that kind of same logic, um, kind of I've worked before and stuff to do with like borders and boundaries in games and how those are like created and enforced. And then in this sense, could so let's say you need to reach level twenty to enter this area, and there's an invisible wall. Yes, uh, wall. Um, when you when you get there, if you're level nineteen, you hit level twenty, you can walk through it. Would that then be a door? Because that's also a threshold. Exactly. Does it then have to be bounded exactly. in a specific? Exactly. You know, it, it invites all these all, all these questions, um, which is which is totally fair, and, and and it's good to invite these questions of. Um, but it really expands this category of door out, and then and then it makes you kind of wonder. Then okay, is there a stable definition of door here? Does there need to be? Um, is door in real life a state any kind of stable yeah. category that we can that we can point to and, and maybe it's not what does that have any kind of um implications for how we would think of uh, of video game doors yeah i i would say that i mean I, again this is something that the game just points out yeah uh, but since the game is not in a vacuum and also in a sense that i know that this game comes from a certain philosophical angle yeah. that is absolutely warranted i'm not saying that it's mm-hmm. uh, that that you can't have this standpoint i'm just saying that this is something that is not obvious and we can debate over it still but the game is not in a vacuum also in the sense that the game itself points out a, a huge number of papers that uh, yeah. that relate to this problem and the problem i would say is that well first of all let's just remember that doors in real life are a very varied category right yeah. Right now, I mean, we are the, in our building where we entered to record this podcast. We have a revolving door. This is how they yeah, go, yes, right? Yes, I yeah. mean, like how far they are from the door in a sense of like yeah. the prototypical notion. So a of, virtual keypad yes, starts the exactly. door rotating. A, a virtual yeah. keypad with, yeah. with my key cards r- rotates the, 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 the mechanical door. Yeah, like, yeah. Come on. This is ve- this is a very varied category. We all know that. That's yep. one thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can get back to it later. But the other thing is that whenever you invoke two things, whenever you start to talk about fictional objects like narratives, yep. some people are like, "Oh, if it's if it's a fictional world, then everything in it is fictional by definition. Mm-hmm. We can't just really say that anything in this world is a door, a mushroom, a, a cloud, or whatever." Yeah. This is not so obvious because, as you pointed out, in digital games, and we know it from, you know, there were many papers that that, uh, that uh, pointed it out. And uh, Jesper Yule's book title, Half Real, points out exactly yeah. to this. There are aspects of the games that are tied to narrative. And we can, you know, look at them through the point of view of theory of fiction. Mm-hmm. But there's this other side of games that is this simulational aspect, this mechanical aspect, yeah. which is kind of like a mechanism sort mm-hmm. it's it's a toy or something like that it is an object that is not fictional it may be it may represent something else but it is not a fiction yeah so that's that's the first one the first thing that i don't think that invoking fiction just no. you know blocks the possibility of there being a door and the other thing is that whenever people start to talk about digital objects because this this re, this uh, realistic part of games that I just invoked, mm-hmm. it is digital, but uh, but of course for some people being digital basically blocks the the possibility of talking about doors uh, as normal doors. Yeah, well, and I don't agree with that. Simply, no, no, no. I think that that does also become more of a tricky question in in VR, um, where it's then would you have to argue that the the core to Dornus is that it has material yeah. properties of some kind, and then and then you go back to you know, uh, okay, do you have to like turn a handle to open a door and physically have it? Do it? But then, what's a revolving door? Yeah, all these kinds of questions. And, and I think yeah. that like from from the philosophical point of view, this is not really such a shocking uh, problem mm. because we we have had discussions like that for quite. Uh, long uh, and uh, and the answer to this or rather a partial answer is that we know that when it comes to our artificial uh, so-called artifacts so mm. not the natural kinds of objects such as tigers clouds or yep. trees or us when you talk about artifacts things created by people mm-hmm. it, it really is the case that we don't have stable definitions no. and we have 
and their definitions are always in a flux and are always in a negotiation between us. Because just because we can always iterate and what on what we created, add new stuff, yeah. invent new stuff. And then we have this, this social discussion. Should we call this new thing uh, basically a new instance of in the old category or is it a new category? And it, this is always a huge negotiation. And I think that when it comes to digital objects, such as doors, this negotiation isn't over. And yeah. I think that it is totally possible that just as people treat virtual money as money, they are not like, oh, uh, pay me back but uh, did you pay me back with virtual yeah. money or real money sometimes you might ask this question yeah. but normally you don't care yeah. <laughs> and, and with those you might stop caring at some point if this was a digital door like was it the digital wooden door or plastic door or metal door mm -hmm, there would be mm -hmm. this kind of question sometimes it matters but in most cases it doesn't exactly yeah and, and then I think I guess again that goes back to Yule's uh, idea of is, is it a door for our current purposes like there's probably not going to be a universal stable definition of it but yeah. one can say okay does it do dory door like things in in this in this kind of context um yeah one one thing mm -hmm. that i want to mention uh, two things i don't know uh, i'm 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 curious what your experience was like uh, there is one of the types of doors that this game presents is a glitched door. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I found yeah. it really funny. Again, yeah. because these games made me so self-aware, or maybe mm -hmm. not so self, so aware about what is happening mm. on the ontological level that I was like, oh, but I'm not looking at a glitched door. No, it's not. It's a, a representation not, yeah. of a glitched door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because you can't, you can't really make a glitch for me because, uh, yeah. because it won't be a glitch. It's actually funny, a funny problem. Yeah, I, I, I thought about that as well. From the designer's point yeah. of view, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I thought so. <laughs> it's, it's actually funny, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a very funny moment. And I think that the game could, since it's a very clever game, a very self-conscious game, mm -hmm. I mean, it could even allude to that. It would be it would be even funnier, I think. That's true, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the the other thing that this is the question for you because I I I uh, I played through the whole game only once and, and mm -hmm. since I collected all the types of doors I didn't replay it so I no, don't same. actually know if what happened to me was uh, was the only thing that can happen or, or or is it are there only other ways to get to the same result so what happened to me and I and this is the moment where this game really got me mm -hmm. and this is a moment where I where because up to this moment I was just like this game uses the medium of games in a very nice way mm -hmm. from their, let's say, pedagogical point of view. It is a great to show to students. Yep. But it is not like the medium of games is necessary to to drive this point. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's very particular moment where it actually delivered in this respect. The, 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 it used game mechanics to present a very interesting philosophical problem. That is, at some point, I, I was feeling that I'm a bit stuck. I don't. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do, right? Which is funny in, in, in its own right. Like, when was the last time when you were stuck in a philosophical essay? Uh, <laughs> I mean, true. you could be stuck in a sense that you don't understand it, but yeah, you yeah, understand, yeah. when you understand How do I progress it, to the next exactly, paragraph? How do I progress, yeah. Dame? Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, that, was, that was interesting, but I was stuck. And then when I was stuck, because I was stuck, I just went to the, the good old-fashioned strategy of every mm. adventure player, Mm -hmm. of people who know the adventure games that is i just started to use things like okay i, I looked into my inventory i just not the inventory i looked at the uh, the menu where i was supposed to recreate the door the missing yeah. door i'm just like well there's only one element yeah that i'm missing so just try them so I'm, let's just try them all <laughs> and i tried them all and then i'm just like oh you you just imagined this and you're and the, yeah. you're you're right with this. So uh, because you just created an imaginary door, another type of door that wasn't classified as, as far as I remember, but I think that was the point that you had the door in your imagination. This is your the door in your imagination that you just created is just as good, so you can go through them. And this was super clever, and I have to say they got me totally. Did this happen to you as well? Exactly the it's same. It's probably the only way to do it, but I yeah, wasn't sure. It, yeah, my, yeah, exactly. I also wasn't sure. I was like, oh, have I cheated it? But then, but then it yeah, kind of yeah, it, it explains that. Um, yeah, it was, it was very clever. I was like, 
I'm very glad I did that because that would easily be the kind of thing I would have gotten stuck on for hours. Yes. And I don't know if this is a game which would have a walkthrough somewhere that I can find online. Yeah, so I, I was like, I'm in real trouble. Me neither. I didn't look bad. I, I was I just like, I'm in real trouble here. So I'm just going to try this. And, oh, it worked. Thank goodness. But um, yeah, yeah, that, that was that that was very true. That was really funny because it's, yeah, it just plays with that aspect of they know that at some point you are going to try yes. everything. And 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 so they kind of catch you at a very yeah. interesting point of that of just oh okay actually this you you found all the other elements of the door you found what handle it uses and and, and everything like that and so now, you so, know but now actually this one doesn't really matter so yeah. just <laughs> oh, at least, you know you just you have your your possibility space is so small yeah that you could say that you have this door yes because you have only yeah, four doors exactly and that's not it's just really like if you were this detective in real life you know in this strange scenario yeah you couldn't do that because the possibility space would be infinite you're not given a choice of four possible whichever element of the door it is i think it's the headpiece maybe um like the bit on top um but yeah like in real life you wouldn't have a catalog that gave you four options yes. probably it would and so that would not be possible in real life and so that that was a really interesting point for me yeah, yeah. and I, I thought it was basically the moment where it used uh yeah the it's game nature mm-hmm. in a very very interesting and it's and it's genre uh tropes you know in a very clever way yeah i yeah i absolutely agree any kind of last thoughts on it before we maybe move on to the uh, the VR uh, waiting for more uh, probably it took a while to produce because it's so slick yeah. but uh yeah. but i would love to to see more and i think that if you are basically if you're listening to us and you are let's say a philosoph- philosophy teacher or game studies teacher it's an amazing game to give to your students because yeah. of the, the the great literature it points out but also mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. how it's constructed i think and also very good a conversation starter uh, for uh, for a class, so I think that yeah. that like the pedagogical aspect of it is 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 amazing. Exactly, yeah. I I, th- I think I remember on the website they kind of offer uh, at least two ways that you can use it in the classroom. Like one is yeah, you can you can just play the game either in class or as homework yeah. and talk about it. You can also kind of um, use it as a springboard, kind of as we've been doing in many instances to just talk about other do- like doors in other games, like the Bloodborne door that should open but yeah. doesn't for incidental reasons or um yeah like these other doors in games that kind of probably expand these categories so yes yeah well let's move on to uh the game that we have played for this week um and it's called i expect you to die too um so a kind of quick description from the steam page is just become an elite super spy ready for espionage explosives and gadgets galore uh, this popular Escape the Room VR franchise is back with more ingenious puzzles, cunning villains, and dangerous locales. And so what's kind of interesting about this is, it uh, for me, it kind of leans into... And I, I'm not super familiar with VR. I'm, I'm a, I would describe myself as a lapsed VR player. Yeah. I, I, got, I, I got the quest to, uh, like many people, I played Beat Saber for a week, and then it kind of gathered dust for a while after that. Um, so I'm, you know, preface this with I'm not an expert on VR. Um, but what it kind of does is lean into the i what i have found in a lot of vr games is the awkwardness of moving where do you teleport yeah. do you smooth move do you kind of walk in in place and all that kind of stuff and it just it just completely leans into it and just says nope you are a spy the premise is that you're a spy you have telekinetic powers and you just sit down you can't move yeah. so you're just kind of like this I guess this floating brain or whatever, but no, I think, yeah, no, you, I, I think you're, you're a person, you're a person, but, but you know, the gist is that you are seated, you can't move, um, but you can kind of uh, extend the, the point your, is that you actually don't have to move. <laughs> so, so you, okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you technically speaking, you say, this is true. You can't move, but yeah. it is presented to you in such a way that you actually don't need to do kind of right because you have all this telekinetic it's true so why yeah. would you do it well I, yeah i was wondering that one play I, maybe it says and i just missed it but whether you can't move or whether you can move but like you say shouldn't I think you need can, to because because i mean there's like within the fiction because there are definitely aspects where it would have been a lot easier for me to just move out the way <laughs> than i don't know telekinetically grabbing something from across the room and blocking a laser or something um but true 
<laughs> so so yeah. Anyway. True, but I, but I think that, I mean but this is an interesting yeah point because this is definitely one of these games that and that's why I I found it an interesting example to discuss because mm-hmm. VR forced some developers. Some developers simply wanted to create a very safe experience yeah. with people who who might not have great time in VR when they are moving yeah. with thumbsticks and they don't have enough space to yes. have a room scale game. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Exactly. You have to have a sitting game. Yeah. Now, the moment you have a sitting game, you have to explain it somehow. Like, why yeah. the hell are you sitting? And, why can't you move? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I find it fascinating from the game studies perspective mm. to just catalog the number of ideas people get people got to explain why can't you move in VR games. Like, <laughs> yeah. there, I mean, there is an espionage game. I forgot its name. Aspire, maybe? I might, mm-hmm. I might be making this up, but I, the game is real. There is an espionage game where you are sitting in a kayak. Mm. You're just, just, just moving <laughs> like that. Uh, and stuff like that because... People were, the developers are so afraid that, okay, we can't move with the thumb sticks. We can't have a room scale. What do we do? And this is one of them. And that's why, and here I think this is, since the the whole narrative is a bit of a cheek, uh, tongue in cheek, and and kind of like, ah, it's it's like this, you know, parody of spy movies and stuff like that. The the fact that they add just, add this telekinetic powers for you which mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. feels like oh yeah there, by the way there is the telekinetic power exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean i guess like yeah i mean if you the had this of... honestly if you had the tele- telekinetic <laughs> telekinetic powers you would probably just use them i mean well it, it's funny you should say that. i got i got a really bad tetris effect from this game where i played yeah, it for exactly. if i play it for more than an hour i take the headset off suddenly moving feels very weird and i actually i actually did i walked into the kitchen and i tried to get something <laughs> by extending my hand and trying to telekinetically exactly. grab it exactly i mean <laughs> what happened to me in this game i didn't have this 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 uh, feeling uh, uh unfortunately because i think it's super funny but uh, uh what i had in this game is that mm. there are several moments in this game where you have to uh, um, basically unscrew something with a yeah. screwdriver right mm-hmm. and you can do it in two ways either you just hold the screwdriver in your hand yeah. and then you lean to something and unscrew yeah, it yeah. right or you just sit you know relax in your chair yeah. in real life and just uh, extend a little bit the the, the exactly bit. Yeah, yeah and i and i found myself doing this a yes, lot more and more so, uh, yeah, yeah more and more so this is the this is your answer. If you had telekinetic powers, absolutely, you wouldn't move. <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's very. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Exactly. I, I habituated over the game to uh, the, the first levels. I'm leaning a lot. I'm hitting my table next to me, and yes. and then by the later levels, just everything. Because basically, you can use the um, the analog sticks to you grab something as normal in VR. You just you kind of grab it with the the, the button. Um, but then if you kind of hold another button and then use the analog stick, it just kind of extends in a yes. straight line from your hand and you can control that. Um, and so that's kind of the premise. And then you've got to do some do a bunch of puzzles. Some of them are time-based. Some of them are, yes. are not, um, you know, rummaging through drawers and, and finding secret messages that uncover codes, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it was that aspect of it that I found really, really funny and interesting. Yeah, especially, especially the Tetris effect, just how much it habituates. Yeah, this is that. great. This is great. This is a great story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What can VR <laughs> do to you? It's kind of like a like a positive twist on a classically negative story. Like, yeah. imagine like non VR people who are just like, do you do you know what VR makes to brains of these poor people? <laughs> they just think they have telekinetic powers. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can totally see this. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I had some uh, uh, other things with with this game that uh, actually connected to the to the doors mm-hmm. game yeah. that uh, the, um, that we just uh, talked about. So, first of all, and this is basically a, a, um, a reference to uh, David Chalmers' paper on mm-hmm. virtual reality, is that this game is, and I can see that VR games do it a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you notice that most of the watches that you find in this game mm. give you the real time. 
I did not notice that. Yeah. I didn't notice this. <laughs> I always put it on when I found one, but I... <laughs> I know, I, exactly. If you put it, or if they are on the on the wall or something, yeah. they most of them, not all of them, okay. but most of them, just show you the real time, and it makes total sense because in VR, if you want to see how long are you sitting, it's cool that you don't have to take yep. your helmet off. You can just you know look at your mm-hmm. or virtual watch or a watch on a on a on a. That's very clever. That's that's yeah. super clever. And my point is that uh, um, David Chalmers points out in his paper on on virtual reality that watches, just as calculators, for example, are this kind of objects that can be virtualized without any loss. Yeah. Like you, you move them to a virtual realm, and they are just good of a watch as in a in a in a digital. Well, I mean, realm. F- for the purpose of telling time, better because it yes. can link to even yes, even better. Yeah. And uh, and my point is that this, when we talked about doors, this mm. is something that this is exactly what I wanted to say. That if an object is you somehow important to you only because of the functions it has or the structure it has. Yeah. It is super easy to visualize it, and what happened in this game in uh, in uh, I expect you to die too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to me, and I found it really fascinating. In again, uh, with with respect to our other game and to the question about the nature of virtual reality and reality, is that uh, if you play it on Quest Two, I, I also played it on Quest Two. Uh, all the Quest Two owners know that if you have this like a uh, regular uh, um, uh, strap. Uh, head strap mm. is actually not super comfortable and you can have some bleeding effects of of light mm-hmm. and you can see a little bit of reality under your yes, nose yeah, 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 not yeah. under your nose but close to your nose yeah? yeah if you if you look down you can see a little bit of reality mm-hmm. and at one at one point in this game i didn't have my virtual watch on my hand mm-hmm. and i wanted to te- uh, to check the time <laughs> sure. so but i i was too lazy probably because of my you know new uh, telekinetic habits yeah, yeah. i didn't want to take the helmet off <laughs> so i just positioned my real watch in such a way that i was able to see it through the bleeding effect like yeah, through the yeah. hole right on the and at some moment, it was actually really weird. I saw my real watch mm. on my virtual hand because I saw my hand in oh. the helmet, but the watch yeah. was outside of the helmet. And in this game, actually, it is positioned so well yep. that it is, it is not awkward at all. <laughs> it just comp- it they, it just there's there's a very smooth transition between your physical hand mm. and your virtual hand. That's really interesting. Yeah, and it was just and the weirdest part. Mm. Was that it didn't feel weird at all? Hmm. It was just like, yeah, of course, this is my this is my virtual hand, and this is my real wrist. Mm. Whatever. That's really yeah, that's really interesting. I had um, an an opposite thing that did feel very weird. Where um, something I was I was going to get to was the kind of I guess non physicality of VR, where you can manipulate these objects in 3D space and everything, but like there's no resistance. It doesn't feel like yeah. the objects. You can't press a button and, and feel it. I For, for that reason, it also makes me feel very clumsy in VR because I'm just like yes. smashing my yes. kind of fist yes. against a button or something. Um, so I was very used also to that, I guess, like sensory deprivation in yes. a sense um, until um, – so I was I was being kind of very naughty and playing without the, the wrist straps on. So they were just kind of dangling down. <laughs> okay. And and then and then at some point my my cat was obviously interested in me swinging that around yeah. and then so just like bit it and started pulling it down so suddenly my arm just <laughs> starts flying oh. down I drop something in the game and I was just very uh, not okay both because I couldn't see it but also just the kind of I was so used to the kind of complete weightlessness in my hand yeah, this I'm, is this is the most uh, jarring thing right and then suddenly a real life force yes, interacts yes, with yes. it and i'm like whoa i have like weight and the yes. gravity is a thing <laughs> and like, <laughs> but, but did it feel just weird or did it feel real for a second or just you were just like ah, this um, is what i expected from vr to to feel like no i mean it was unusual in that um so i didn't take the headset off at first. i didn't know what was kind of happening yeah. um so i yeah i kind of just didn't know whether it was something i was doing or whether it's part of the game i think it took me a few seconds to realize that there was this bleed from real life to the game because obviously right. all i could see was my game hand going suddenly being pulled down 
um, and then my object flying everywhere or, or, or whatever. Um, and I, I, it took me a good few seconds to be like, ah, this is probably actually something in the real world. <laughs> so that uh, kind of speaks Super to the uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. immersion, exactly. I guess, for Absolutely. lack of a better term. Yeah, so j- just wrap, to wrap wrap uh, this this aspect up. Yeah, uh, what I find interesting in in this in this um, sitting experience nature mm. of this game is that it's kind of like the platform itself uh, forces or determines a certain type of game gameplay. They want mm. you to have a gameplay where you basically just manipulate things yeah. in your vicinity, and that's it. And also, you don't move to different places. Yeah. Even by via teleportation, the teleport the the teleportation part yeah. is only just be, of, you can only teleport objects to you, yeah. or rather yeah. you know, yeah. uh, uh, know attract them to you mm-hmm. with, uh, with mm-hmm. some this telekinetic force. But you can't teleport or move anyway, really, yeah. anywhere really. So the point is that the platform, the, some of the aspects of the platform, kind of force developers to to create this ludic experience, mm-hmm. and then this. Force them to create a certain narrative about uh, mm-hmm. uh, telekinetic powers that are added, which is it's a very interesting uh, sort of a transition from the from the aspects of the platform itself to the narrative at the at the other end. I, I found it very intriguing. Yeah, yeah. It also made me kind of think. Um, so yeah, exactly about that framing, and then does that how much how much of a intentional or unintentional choice is it that that lends itself to being a kind of spy parody yeah. um so i'm thinking there were you know lots of conversations i guess in the in the 90s and stuff about how games can't really be used to tell serious they're not very good at doing drama and serious Absolutely. stuff but they're very good at doing comedy because yes. intrinsically everything everyone's a blockhead and it's all a bit clumsy and that kind yes. of stuff and i'm wondering if you know, if that's the and this is this is where you know speaking to someone with more VR experience is good because um, I've not played many VR games. Can there be serious and dr- dramatic I, VR games now, or is that I, something where I think there can? Yeah, but I'm thinking that you are absolutely correct. It's a mm. very good observation in that VR kind of not really forced, mm. but. It made it uh, a viable option, or it made be, or, mm. or, or or it made comedy a very tempting option for developers. Yeah. If you read a, a lot of interviews with people who created comedy games uh, in the past, before VR, long before Tim Schafer would be a good example. Yeah. These people were always saying, "Oh, this is very difficult to make comedy in VR mm. because you know you can't make clumsy mechanics on purpose. Yeah. It's just actually difficult because you can't laugh at something and at the same time force people to do that. Yeah, it feels it feels irritating and not funny. It's difficult to make yeah. comedy in games, and it was absolutely true. And at some po- up to some point." you didn't actually have that many funny games. Mm. Apart from some adventure games, which has very specific mechanics, Mm -hmm. right? Not that many funny games. VR enters the scene, and I would say that this type of experience with this funny layer of fun, uh, of comedy or parody, is actually a thing. I I can totally Mm -hmm. give you some other examples, like uh, Accounting Plus Mm -hmm. is another game that is also, uh, there's this... uh, PlayStation VR game static. It maybe doesn't have dead money funny elements, but have this mm. sort of a surreal tint to it. So it's so it's kind of like basically it tells you, oh, it's not really serious. It's a bit surreal. Yeah. And uh, so I would say that this is exactly the reason mm-hmm. people know that it is inherently slapstick. Exactly. Yeah. Because for me, there was something in the fact that could this be a serious spy story? with the very clumsy movements that you necessarily have to make because I don't have every finger tracked so I'm just like punching a punching my fist into a button I think would that, that kind of I, take me out of a more serious game I think that the I mean uh, the easy way out mm. is is just to uh Dec- decrease the number of interactions interactions mm, you have. Mm-hmm. So basically, you can't you because what the, the slapstick effect comes from uh, um, often comes from interactions of the systems. Like oh, I'm holding this bottle, and because I don't feel the weight of it, 
mm. I I forget that it's big actually. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. because of that, I just you know uh, uh, <laughs> you know hit something on the back. Yeah. And because the things in the back interact with it, they, it starts to you know break. Blah blah blah. Yeah. 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 If you just decrease the elements of interaction, if let's say, okay, you can hold the sword, but if you move it, even if you, you know, crash something, it won't mm. be destroyed. Yeah. The price for it is that you lessen the immersion, but you can tell a more serious story. Mm. Well, that, that's probably that's, probably that's what true. they do yeah. typically. Yeah, okay, right, right, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not the case that you cannot make a serious game in VR, but, it is, but it, I was but wondering it's, if, it's if there's... Harder. If it's there's, harder, and, yeah. it, and there's a pace, there is a, pr- there is a price for it. Yeah, exactly. At least if you want this yeah. to go this easy route. Yeah. I mean, Half-Life Alex goes the more complex route, I would say. Mm. It tries to have interactions, but at the same time, not that many slaps it, and doesn't succeed fully, but it succeeds okay. to, a, to, a, yeah. to yeah. a certain degree. So it's mm-hmm. hard. You're, you're absolutely right. That's yeah. interesting that it's hard. Mm-hmm. Wondering how um, how difficult you find this game. Just maybe maybe to kind of wrap up. <laughs> uh, well, I I I was stuck in two places, I think, and mm-hmm. in one place I actually had to to uh, to find a walkthrough on the internet because yeah. I, I was just too frustrated and I wanted to go further. I played the first one and I thought the first one was more difficult than this. Okay. Mm. Especially, but not in terms of the puzzles, mm. but in terms of performance of the puzzles. Because uh, we didn't talk about this. Uh, both games, I think that the the first one, this is a sequel, as as you mentioned. The first one was 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 uh, was um, was worse in, than than this one in this respect. Is that these games have a very certain style of play, mm-hmm. in that it is kind of a trial and error. And that's yeah. it's basically you go there, you are supposed to, you know, try things. Yeah. You realize, oh, this one works. And then typically with the next one, you die. Yeah. 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 That's why it's called I expect you to die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you restart it and you just go through the motions, repeat the Get whole one thing. One step further. And then yeah. you go one step further and you die. Mm-hmm. Or not. And in with this with the sequel. I actually went through some, I think, two levels. Mm. I went without Dinah once, which didn't happen in the in the previous one. Okay. So I think that they may, the developers, I didn't read about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I suppose that the developers might have taken this into account. Yeah. But I think that this leads to a very interesting uh, thing that is related to, the, to VR games, mm. is that in a normal game, this kind of repetition pattern would, ha- would have been really tough for me yeah I, I would hate it here i'm not saying it's completely without frustration yeah but it is much easier for me to repeat the steps if it's just if it's really me physically manipulating stuff mm. it's because it's some at least somehow inherently fun yeah that, i, I to found move that, yeah, things, yeah to grab things yeah. to it's kind of like an exercise things exactly there, there was one level i had to repeat many times and it's just i found myself getting into an almost mindless kind of the, i guess the speed running yes uh, which, which it does afford for but like where you're just okay so now we're descending in the winch and i'm just like duh, 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 like yes. like just moving my arms in a very fluid motion now because i i've got the first six steps yes. completely ingrained in memory yes. um there was another thing and it kind of goes back to the um intentionality of objects where yes. I found there partly maybe because I'm not used to the conventions of VR but I kind of figured that at first at least if I can interact with this and pull it with me to telekinesis it's going to have a use somewhere oh, no. and <laughs> 90% of the objects did not no. like I picked up a box of nails and I spent maybe five minutes trying to figure out how to open it so I could use the nails on something <laughs> until I realized it's actually just a box that I can just throw away it doesn't I didn't, do anything I didn't think of that yeah. it's actually a great uh, I would say comment on what we said yeah. uh, earlier about adventure games. Mm-hmm. In adventure games, of course, you had a thing called red herrings that were specifically yeah, there yeah, of course, yeah. to just throw you off track. But but typically, an object was had some use. Mm-hmm. In VR, I would say it's actually the opposite. There is mm-hmm. a huge number of objects that are there just because the developers realize that it is fun to interact with it. Yes, yeah, there's that. Kind of like, like a, I mean, of course, it happened in non-VR games as yeah. well. Like, you know, the 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 things in Duke Nukem 3D where mm. you could just, you know, operate st- uh, stuff yeah, yeah. or Half-Life 
two where you could just I don't know throw a ball yeah. to a yeah. uh, to a dog and stuff like that. But in VR, I would say it's just like ten times more of that. It's true. Yeah, I found that especially with the food and drink in the game, which never, Absolutely. as far as I remember, has any use at all. Um, but it was just it's just something funny about. With with feed, with the with this sensory deprivation and you know yes. clumsiness, just pouring a, a glass of wine, it goes everywhere, and then you just yes, pretend to drink it. Absolutely, you, and, and, yeah. and two things that uh, that I think that the developers must must find absolutely fun yeah. to do. Probably also because most people don't do it for health reasons. Smoking cigars, like <laughs> the number of games. Yeah, I'm not joking. The number of VR games where I can smoke a cigar mm. is huge, man. <laughs> this yeah. is this is a yeah. thing yeah. that people realize. Oh, it's it's such a perfect use because they can use realistic smoke, and you have like this feeling of smoking. That's true. Yeah, they yeah. Lo- they love it. There is one part, and if I remember, like. Where it's it's not just an object lying there; it's like a, a thing happens and a hatch opens, and there's a bunch of cigars, oh, yes. and then there's a lighter, and I'm yes, like, okay, this. De- and I was like, okay, now this, this definitely has, has a something. use. This is like no. drawing my attention to. No, it's no. literally just it's a it lighter. Just, you put a cigar in the mouth, you yes, light it. That's it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And and one thing that this games and I, I would say that uh, I, I love VR games also because of that mm. is that they show me that it's actually almost impossible to predict. What will feel fun in VR? Like uh, that's true, yeah, with this yeah. game, as I said, mm-hmm. with cigars, I've seen them in many games. But this game also, and also the previous, uh, previous, uh, previous one, the prequel, they introduced me to wearing hats in VR. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you told me this, I would have <laughs> never believed you. But wearing hats in VR is awesome it's because really funny. they really yeah. feel different. Because you see a little bit, they they shade you yep. differently, they occlude your view differently, mm-hmm. and so on. I mean, I don't have to explain people how they feel. Basically, they feel as if you were uh, trying different hats in a shop or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. Yeah, that, <laughs> is, re- that is really good. <laughs> yeah. It's just like That's such true. a stupid thing and can be fun. And this game really yeah. really goes through it. I don't know if you tried it. There's, there's a level, it's the second level mm-hmm. in a plane. And uh, at some point you have a bucket... For, oh, I didn't try putting it on. And I just and I thought, oh, I have to put the and you put the bucket on. And it does as exactly what you expect. And it looks ex- it does exactly <laughs> as you expect. And it's the best hat in the game, so to speak. That's so good. <laughs> oh, I should have I should have tried that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing I did find really difficult was um opening well, opening doors just to tie yes. it back. Actually. Oh, yeah. So it's like with telekinesis and you have to open something that swings on a hinge yes. outwards. That without the weight to I, I get. I, I guess without the way, it to, it's tough. really. And if you have to do it fast, right? Yeah. And especially this game also really requires you. Uh, and it, uh, the first one did it even to a to a to a uh, uh, to a bigger extent. This game often requires you to quickly do something with both hands. Yes. So you're, yeah. Okay, I'm opening this with this hand quickly, moving yeah. this, and then grabbing this, right? Stuff like that. So, so yes, this weightlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that that I, I I completely forgot that I find interesting in the context of our previous conversation is mm. that there is a single level in this game where I was stuck and I couldn't find a, a way to open a desk. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a yep. desk. There's a Same. big desk. You can't open it. But you can lean. Yes. Yeah. I did look, this. It looked like a very small. There's a very small. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, um, hole that you can basically. Uh, look mm-hmm. through right and and i could actually take an object from yeah. it and later i realized that that this is something that maybe wasn't even intended i don't know no no i could also glitch the thing that yeah. you meant to get in there through the yes. through the gap if i yeah. and this is the moment where i thought okay so really you are going to tell me that this is not like a door or something like that yeah, like, yeah if yeah, i yeah. can just like in real life kind of cheated by looking through the crack and yeah. seeing what's what's inside, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it really works like a door. It's not a, it's not just a fake. Yeah, thing. That, that that's a good point. Yeah, it really it, works like a door. It really works like a, yeah. Cool. That's probably a good place to yeah. to leave it, I guess. Um, so yeah, again, just um, yeah, very interesting thing. Yeah. If if you are basically, I mean, I would say that this is not something that uh, is. Uh, is dramatically better than some of the best uh, escape mm-hmm, room mm-hmm. VR VR escape room games. It's yep. it's one of the one of the best of this kind. Mm-hmm. My 
point was that it's a very interesting kind of games yep, that I agree, wasn't yeah. there before VR, and that's why I think it's very interesting. Exactly, it's a good way to talk about VR as, yeah. as well as the game itself. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, you know, rate, review, do all do all those all those things and whatever, and we will hopefully be back sort of next month to do. A similar thing. We are Absolutely. already talking about the games and papers we're going to do yeah. for that. We so, have some ideas. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Subscribe and look out for that. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye.